Welcome to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, Chris Newcomb of Peer Into Recovery Podcast, the VPRSN Network, our Facebook page. Um, is growing, and if you are a listener and have not joined us, please do. VPRSN Network is the page, VPRSN. And today we have Robin Hanselman joining us. Um, Robin is uh, very accomplished and well-known in our community, has a great passion for helping folks. She has a Master's of Education. She's a registered CPRS, and she's also a certified older adult peer specialist uh, trainer and a revived trainer. She also has MARS, Medication Assisted Recovery Supports Trainer. And currently she's working as a recovery coordinator for Goochland Powhatan Community Services and the Rural Overdose Outreach Team or ROOP project. And is serving as the co-chair of Virginia Year of the Peer 2023 initiative and I think has almost solved world poverty. So pretty much everything's good because Robin's here. <laughs> no, it's great, great, really good stuff. So let's get into it. I'd like to learn more about you and our listeners would too. Tell me, um, you know, your, your story of origin. Goodness. Um, well, my, my story has a lot of uh, years of trying to figure out where I fit in to things. Um, I was born in, actually, I was born just a little ways up the road from where I am currently, which is um, Henrico, born in just outside the city of Richmond. And I grew up about an hour and a half uh, southwest of here in a little town called Crew, Virginia, in the shadows of um, Farmville. I've been looking for my crew my whole life, you know? <laughs> I, I think that I think recovery has given me a pretty solid crew. No e. I'm an only child. My my folks were a little bit older when they had me. I developed some of those typical only child things, some perfectionism, um, some overachiever things, and um, also it's a really great place to be under a microscope. I think when you grow up in a small town, and I wanted to do everything. So all of those letters and acronyms and things, that's kind of a pattern in my life. I was a cheerleader in high school. I was definitely um, involved in everything. I was an emergency medical technician with our volunteer crew down in crew. Wanted to just head off to college, like couldn't wait to get going. But I still felt like there were some things that I hadn't addressed with, with my mental health and when someone who's accustomed to being a big fish in a small pond goes to a much larger pond, you might forget how to swim. And that's a lot of what happened to me. I had a hard time figuring out what I wanted to do and, and really fine-tuning things. So I started at James Madison University and went there for a couple of years. And then the pull of family and the pull of um, the, the pursuit of wellness brought me right back to good old Farmville, Virginia, where I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. Um, very loyal to Longwood. I started picking up some unhealthy habits and some unhealthy relationships and realized at some point that I hadn't addressed some trauma. And then 
at some point, physical illness started to have an impact on my life. Um, grief started to have an impact on my life. And those relationships became a lot more strained. And the more strained those relationships became, the more I turned to means of escape through substances, alcohol, um, compulsive behavior, just the whole the whole gamut of things that were not healthy for me. Um, I had witnessed a lot of trauma at a fairly young age in my late teens working in um, as a first responder in a rural area. And I internalized a lot of that, I think. Um, combine that with the diagnosis of lupus and fibromyalgia in my early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. And I was a little bit of a mess, but I kept trying to achieve and kept trying to live up to the standard. And at some point, things caught up to me. Um, I managed to get a master's degree while being what I thought was a functioning person who used drugs. What I found, and I would be curious to hear what your thoughts are in your journey, is as I and began to embrace health and wellness as best as I could, achievement still mattered. And it actually has gotten more <laughs> since I've uh, gotten into recovery, but it's balanced with my view of who I am. It's not, I, I could never achieve tomorrow ever again. And it has nothing to do with who I am as a person. But that's a leap to make, and it wasn't a quick leap. Did, so was that kind of part of your journey? That's super relatable, Chris. When you actively pursue health and wellness, I think you come home to yourself. Yes, it feels authentic, and you can actually come into your own. I actually mentioned this in um, a recovery meeting recently. Life becomes more about less about the things we have to do and more about the things we want to do and the stuff we get to do because of recovery. Having a chronic diagnosis just opened the floodgates. You know, it doesn't take long. And that became my my new way of coping and, and turned to opioids and alcohol. It's a work in progress. If someone had told me that I would get to almost lose my fight with addiction. Transitioning then into into current time, let's talk your registered CPRS. When you're a registered CPRS, the CPRS other part goes away because now you're registered? No, that's actually a really good question. And I hope that um, some of my past and future PRS trainees, since I, I, I'm a trainer as well, I became a trainer this year, which was a really big goal of mine. Um, I hope that they're listening, though, because a lot of times we don't know what the letters mean and what the alphabet soup is all about. So we take a 72-hour training that is endorsed by Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services, and you take a 72-hour classroom training, 500 hours or more, if you're like me, um, 500 hours of 500 hours, maybe a few years, I don't know. Um, but that's when you really get that valuable experience of being a peer um, and learning what it's like in real time to apply some of that book knowledge from the 72-hour training. Then you take a, a test from the state, state board or state certification test, and that makes you, passing that makes you a certified peer recovery specialist. 
So after we get our certified peer recovery specialist, the CPRS, then we can apply for registration status through the Virginia Department of Health Professions. And what being registered gives us is the ability to have our organization bill Medicaid for that awesome, valuable peer support service. Awesome. So peer recovery specialist, and then uh, you're also a Revive trainer, and Revive is uh, a great program to teach people about using uh, Narcan to help folks who are in an overdose situation and saving lives, which is awesome. The certified older adult peer specialist trainer, I believe, or just a specialist trainer. Tell me about that. Tell us about that. I hadn't heard of that before. Sure. That's a relatively new initiative in Virginia, but the Certified Older Adult Peer Specialist curriculum was developed by some amazing folks out of the University of Pennsylvania who trained a select group of those of us from Virginia who were already PRS trainers, and we were selected to become trainers of the COPES curriculum, and we will start implementing that in Virginia let's see, in about three short weeks. Wow. And so what what is the substance of what you're doing with that? So we focus a lot on recovery across the lifespan. Um, There's a lot of integration between not just substance use and or mental health challenges, but aging and services that we need to keep our wellness intact as we progress through life. become reaching older adult status is one of those get to's it's a gift so how do we help people to remain well and stay centered in their recovery to get the best quality of life during the golden years that's really great because you know we live in a culture that worships youth the idea of purposeful uh inclusion to wellness and health doesn't just stop because you hit a digit that's just awesome. That's really cool. And then um, the MARS medical assisted, uh, tell us about that. I'm a really big fan of MARS. Part of really large part of my recovery, actually my initiation into my own recovery process involves going to basically trying everything other than a medication-based pathway. Um, MARS focuses on how peers can support each other by embracing the knowledge about medications like buprenorphine or Spoxin, Vivitrol, Methadone, Supplicade, anything um, focuses primarily on medications for opioid use disorder and just getting the facts about that information because there's so much misconception out there. People don't know what they don't know, but I'm passionate about this because it was such an integral part of my pathway. In the beginning, I took a medication and Life didn't suddenly get better. I know this is surprising. Life didn't suddenly get better just because I took a tablet or put a film of Suboxone in my mouth. I thought all of my relationships would be intact again, and no, it just doesn't work that way. So Mars is the stuff we do other than taking the medication. It's how to make medications like Suboxone and Methadone work most efficiently, and that's through that value of peer support. I heard a lot of stories of how people, you know, were on them for a certain amount of time and then they were able to wean off of it, but it was integral in there. It's like, a, you know, as a bridge to get from point A to point B, you know, because we all know if you've had any, if you've had any run in with a substance, 
when you don't use a substance, it still knocks on the door for a while. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing for me about Suboxone was that I, I walked into a Suboxone clinic about almost five years ago on November 29th will be five years since the day I walked in there. And it was the only thing I was doing for my recovery. And I started on a fairly significant dose, but then as you start to bring in more recovery tools and more connection and more peers and the goals start to shift, the have to's diminish a little bit. I have to go to the doctor, but I get to go to a meeting later. I get to talk to a friend. I get to do something with my husband and son and I get to be present. Um, so the medication is great for initiating recovery, but the sustaining that's the stuff that we get from something like Mars or the um, meetings that I attend for my recovery, which are MARA, Medication Assisted Recovery Anonymous, um, fellowships like that and places where we can go and finally feel understood. That's um, That's been integral to my recovery. So I took um, Mars as soon as I knew Marjorie was offering it because being a Mars trainer is important to me so that I can share that, you know, recovery doesn't have to look like what we think it has to look like in the beginning. Yeah. You know, there's lots of, um, you know, as a musician and a music fan, I'm sure many of our listeners love music. Um, the, the heavy metal God, <laughs> Alice Cooper <laughs> was, a, was a massive alcoholic and the way he got sober was golf. He, I think one of his roadies one day was when he was hungover was like, let's go play golf. And he's like, I don't play golf. Like I'm, I'm Alice Cooper. He doesn't play golf. <laughs> and he goes and plays golf and he finds out that he's actually really good. And then he likes it. He's a very good scratch golfer. He plays with pros. He's that good. And that got him sober. So, you know, it, recovery and, and wellness is not a one size fits all. It's, it, it's a mosaic of, of different opportunities and things that we get to do to build health and wellness in and one of those things um, that promotes the health and wellness, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, as part of it is the Virginia Year, the Peer 2023 um, campaign that's, that you are the uh, initiative, uh, the co-chair of the initiative. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit. I know some of it's top secret because you're going to be revealing it at some point, but whatever you are cleared to talk about. Well, hopefully by the time um, this reaches folks' ears, a lot more of this is going to be out there, but I, I can give you a little sneak peek on that. So Year of the Peer 2023 is an idea that originated from the PRS and Stakeholder Roundtable that's held on the second Tuesday of each month that folks are, of course, welcome to join. Um, I've been attending those meetings for a while. And this idea of having a statement, having an initiative to say peers are valuable, peers are integral to wellness. People are out there doing so much good stuff. There's, last time I checked the, um, the roles, there were 870 certified peer recovery specialists in Virginia. That's a lot of people doing a lot of really amazing stuff. So we wanted to figure out how to highlight that and also bring attention to some of the things that individual peers are advocating for. So my involvement with Year of the Peer 2023 came from a little something called Recovery Leadership Academy, which is 
a partnership, a collaboration between VCU and DBHDS. So I went out on a limb and applied for this Recovery Leadership Academy. It sounded like a pretty cool thing. And then I got accepted. So um, right at the end of 2021, I was celebrating that and getting ready to embark on this new journey. So Recovery Leadership Academy is an 11-month-long program where emerging leaders from across Virginia are paired with mentors in in various organizations and localities and we learn to set goals and learn to do the things that leaders do so part of what leaders do is we propose things and we pitch projects and we hope that these things come to life um i don't know about you chris but i sit up at nights writing notes in my phone or notes in a journal about programs and projects and things that I want to see brought to life in recovery communities. So this is, um, this is one of those things. So we have um, five members. So one of the big projects that we dreamed up as part of Recovery Leadership Academy, we have a, um, we have a capstone group. There's actually four capstone teams within Recovery Leadership Academy. And I want to give a little shout out to my capstone team because they're amazing. Um, But our group came together and we were supposed to formulate a problem. Well, we had some very different problems or ideas or things we thought needed, needed a little extra support or a little extra research. And we pitched one project. It kind of fell short. We were having trouble pulling ideas together. Then we remembered that it was mentioned about Year of the Peer by my other co-chair, Michael Lane, up in Fairfax. And it kind of dawned on us all at once that we could do something. How, how are we going to promote Year of the Peer? So our capstone team's project for the Recovery Leadership Academy is a media and events toolkit for Year of the Peer that anyone can use, has some great things, plug and play, um, Facebook posts, social media graphics. We designed a logo that I'm super proud of. We have put together a Spotify playlist, an iTunes playlist, um, just all kinds of different things. We had an event um, back in September with Vocal that Vocal sponsored us to have kind of a listening session, feedback session with a select group of peers who told us what they were looking forward to about Year of the Peer and the things they were looking forward to using as part of a toolkit and what type of peer gear, like do you want shirts? Would you carry a water bottle? How about a laptop cover? Just things that will improve peer morale and also help us to build connections across gaps that might already exist or relationships that we're working on cultivating out in our community. Relationships like the ones with our first responders and law enforcement. That's that's pretty cool. It sounds like it's going to be a really, really cool thing. And I want to get into what you're doing now. You're at Goochland Community Service Board. Tell me about the ROOT, R-O-O-T, program. My very first day, I was um, looking over my job description, and there was something there about fostering connection with law enforcement and first responders in our community. And, of course, that was about the time that we started really taking note of that 
national overdose death rate. Um, I believe that we were around 80,000 at that point in time, which of course we've, we've far surpassed that at this point. It was suggested that we make some contacts in the Powhatan community in the first responder world. Kind of a familiar world to me. I served as an EMT, but ironically, 25 years after serving as an EMT in my own community, I was on the receiving end of their services as a result of um, having an overdose from opioids and losing consciousness. And I saw this opportunity when I first met some of the folks from Emergency Services Solutions, met with those folks and just started brainstorming and listened in on like a community uh, brainstorming session about how to get ahead of the overdose rate, which is surprisingly more than I thought it was going to be in an area like Powhatan or an area like Goochland. So I hear the passion behind these folks, and these are people who have been running calls for substance-related emergencies over and over, and they're tired, and we're all just trying to try something different. So Blanton Marchese at Emergency Services Solutions, is the um, CEO over there, had decided to start a community paramedicine program with one of their passionate paramedics, and we just collaborated, got an MOU together with the CSB, and in April of 2021, four short months after I started there, we launched the Rural Overdose Outreach Team, also known as the Root Project. Um, I don't think anyone had really big, lofty goals for the Root Project. They're like, ah, we'll, we'll maybe have a call every six months. Our numbers in the six-month pilot for Root were pretty, pretty incredible as far as number of people we were able to reach, people we were able to offer recovery resources, people we were able to give Narcan and fentanyl testing supplies to in our community, people we could talk to about harm reduction, and people that I could be with and share some of those vulnerable moments with, both on the first responder side and people who were patients or family members of patients who had had a substance-related emergency. So that value of lived experience, it really comes into play there. And the other thing that I think really makes Root um, above and beyond aside from the fact that we're doing this in a rural area, which is a little bit off script. Um, it's been done, overdose outreach has been done in a lot of different areas, but doing it in a rural area, you have to be particularly attentive to build it to scale. Um, what's the community ready for? So we have some amazing, I call them my champions, um, some EMTs, paramedics, some of our folks in dispatch, some of our folks in community organizations, our folks at the sheriff's office, um, we've been really well supported by our recovery champions in the Powhatan community. And I'm super grateful for that. Root wouldn't be where it is without that. In a rural area, it's kind of like a, it's definitely a microcosm, but I know a lot of the medics and the volunteers in Powhatan County. I have some roots there and some really lifelong friends who live in that area. But then I also tend to have 
at least um, a passing relationship with some of the folks that we encounter as patients. So it's it's really an honor to be able to flex in that role and bring my own lived experience that comes from different diverse perspectives as an EMT, as a person in recovery, as a person who has experienced what that person's experienced and just kind of bring it all together. It's, it's definitely an honor. That's awesome. So you're not just integrating into the rural community of those who you're reaching out to, you're connecting with other uh, you know, resources there with law enforcement and, and, and EMTs and whatnot. That So it's really kind of a, you know, it's a cliche statement, but it's true. It takes a village. It takes, you know, more than one of us to get this thing happening and to make it work and to make the impact. You know, in the rural community, there's a different feel about hospitals, health and wellness, all that sort of stuff that's different than the city, that's different than the burbs, you know. So being culturally specific, to um, you know where you're working is you know t- a target audience. Uh, I think it's great to tap the need. Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like we really did. We're trying to create brave spaces. We want to create spaces where people can go and not just know that they're safe and that they can be comfortable, but places they can be uncomfortable too, and places that they can be vulnerable without fear. That's what we're hoping to accomplish with brave spaces. Um, we do two things very different than anything I had actually ever imagined that we would do, especially in a rural area. The first thing that we do is um, Julie McIsaac is my community paramedic and person who shares the other half of my brain. And Julie will, Julie will train all of the folks who are running on the duty crews and she just keeps hammering away at it. And she, we crafted something together that's called a mention, a root mention. And if you've ever been in an emergency situation um, for physical wellness, emotional wellness, any type of a crisis situation, and someone asks you a question like, hey, can these people come talk to you and visit you? I don't know about anybody else, but my answer would have been even in in my worst moments, it would have been absolutely not, please don't call me because I think I might be in trouble or I think I'm going to get arrested or there's just, it's shrouded in, sh- in shame and guilt. Um, so the medics in, in our area, they don't ask a whole lot of questions. They say, hey, we've got some friends from the Root Project that are going to be reaching out to you in the next couple of days. Don't worry, you're not in trouble. Um, it's they're, they're really nice, benevolent people. They just want to talk to you and mostly listen to what you have to say. So that just be on the lookout for their call. That way, the power is on the person who feels most powerless. And if they want to answer the phone, and 78.5% of the time they do answer the phone, um, which is a great return rate on making contact with people after an emergency like that. So the mention is a different perspective. And then we, you know, there's a lot of talk in peer support about meeting people where they are, but I believe it was Jan Brown that recently said, why don't we just meet people? Don't even worry about where they are. Um, Just come authentically to come alongside someone in their journey. We don't force treatment a certain pathway. Um, We don't force we don't even force recovery. We want you to feel safe and we want you to know what the options are 
in case you want to make changes. And if you don't, you know what? The conversation's not over. The conversation's over when the patient or the family member wants it to be. We are people of story. And so there is power in the story, and there's a lot of power in listening to someone's story without judgment and just letting it be whatever the story is. Absolutely. And the telling of those stories and the nights around the campfire with the guitars, that taps right into the rural culture and the rural perspective. So if we can build authentic relationship with people with familiar experiences, um, not to say that I've been there with every single person, sometimes I don't even reveal that piece, but holding the space to allow comfort to take to take center stage and putting the focus on those stories because that's where the value of people's experience is, is in in the telling of the stories and the listening to the story. Yes, and the story the story lives because the person's living. You can't divorce the two. They're they intricately, which if you think about it, when you talk about trauma and stuff, that's an interruption to somebody's story. You know, um, I wrote a song uh, one night. I was sitting in our breakfast room uh, and I was just playing around and I had this kind of like cowboy sounding riff that came out of nowhere. And as I was playing around with it, I was not trying to write a song. I just had a guitar in my lap. And, and out of the blue, I just got this image in my head of like being in a field in Wyoming and, and the sun's going down, there's a fire and it's crackling and there's a bunch of people around telling tall tales. And the song is called Parts Unknown. And the whole idea of the song is there's this guy and he's, he's heading for Parts Unknown because she's not there. It has kind of that rural feel. But rural feel is, is, and it's not like, I don't say that in like, oh, you get your dog back if you stop living in the country. <laughs> get me there, quick. And when you think about parts unknown, um, I like the double entendre there too, because we could be referring to geography, but we could also be referring to even the ugly parts of our stories, the things that we don't reveal to anyone, the, the unknown, unspoken pieces. Um, to allow safe space for that and vulnerable, brave space to reveal the things that we've never revealed before. I couldn't picture five years ago sitting here talking about having had the experience that I did in 2017, and I certainly couldn't have pictured five years ago having the the get-tos and the life that I'm having today. So there's, there's value in that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the program, and talking about the root program and all the things that you're doing. Thanks so much, Chris. I'd like to thank our listeners for listening to the peer into recovery podcast, which is brought to you by the Virginia peer recovery specialist network and mental health America, Virginia. And if you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. And please leave us a brief review on iTunes until we meet again. Take care of yourselves, everyone. We'll see you soon.